Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. We are in our series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, exploring the themes and modern-day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism. Hello, everybody. My name is Scotty Hines. I'm one of the pastors here at Generations Church, and alongside of me is my friend and pastor at Generations Church, Pastor Jeff Ludington. How are you, my friend? I'm well. I'm well. Good morning. Good, good morning, man. I'm stoked about... uh, Today's Lord's Day, episode what, 26, baptism? We're in 26, so we're going to call this baptism part one uh, because this week and next week, both mm-hmm. all about baptism, and so we're going to split it into two topics. Uh, but before we do that, let's just kind of back up, back out, and say here's what we're doing. If you're joining us today and you're joining us for the first time, we're working through a 450-year-old document called the Heidelberg Catechism. It is a series of questions and answers designed to be uh, memorized, you know, passed on from fathers to sons or used in discipleship, that kind of thing. And so this document, again, 450 years old, but still a historic and probably one of the most well-used and well-loved catechisms or ways of learning our faith. And uh, it has three main sections, guilt, grace, and gratitude. And so those are the nicknames for those sections. Guilt is our need for a Savior. Grace is how our Savior has saved us and is saving us and will save us eternally. And then the third section, gratitude, how do we live that out? And so we're in section two right now, uh, in the grace section, if you will. And uh, that's really important. When we talk about baptism, we put it in the grace section, not in the gratitude section. So we don't put it in the how do we live out our faith? We put it in the how is Jesus saving us category yeah. because baptism, we would say, is a means of grace. And so we'll get there, but I want everybody to hear that. It fits in the gospel section because really it is something that Jesus has done for us, not so much something we do. And that'll be more important when we talk about communion too. That's right. All right. I like it, man. Man, I'm feeling like with this topic, especially the discussions uh-huh. that we were having uh, previously, I feel like this is going to be one of those episodes that people will need to put on repeat. That should be good. Well, I hope we're clear enough. I hope they like it. I hope they go back and do it. Yeah. Uh, But last week we talked about there are two sacraments, two things that we do in the church that represent Christ to us, communion and baptism. This is one of them. Baptism is first. It should be the first step of obedience in each believer. And so let's dig into the meaning of this. And if we're going to be honest, it's probably the most simplest step of obedience we have. Man. (laughs) Yeah. So you would think so. So let me, before we, you're right. So it's super simple, right? right? And when we read scripture, we see people come to faith, like think of the Ethiopian eunuch right on the on the road with, and comes to faith. Philip goes in and shares the gospel with him through the book of Isaiah. Amazing. He comes yeah. to faith and, faith and they stop out in the middle of a desert. They find enough water to figure this out and they baptize them on the spot, right? Man. In Acts 2, Peter preaches this gospel right after the ascension of Jesus and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on people. Peter, filled with that spirit, goes out, preaches to the people in Jerusalem. Thousands come to faith. There are thousands begin to come to faith, and they ask Peter this question, what do we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will be given the Holy Spirit. I could have swore that passage says, repent, read the book, Gospel of John. Oh, yeah. And then when you're comfortable, be baptized. Make sure you're ready. Be baptized. Be baptized when you're ready. Yeah. that's Well, that's how people treat it today, yeah. huh? Right? Enough of the cynicism. I'm sorry. I had to. But that is the command. Repent and be baptized. Like, right now, let's do this. Cornelius yeah. in his house, what is that, Acts 10, right? Yeah. As soon as they all come to faith, 
The disciples look at each other like, clearly the Holy Spirit is in this. Let's baptize right? them, yeah. right? Very clear. So it should be the first thing people do when they just, when they come to faith, right? When they realize, okay, listen, I, I want to follow Jesus. That's the first step. Culturally today, that's not what people yeah. do. And that's important. I so think, Yeah, I think you're right, man. So we have three questions and answers today. Uh, if you are a Lord's Day guy, this is Lord's Day 26, or for us in our podcast, episode 26, three questions. And I'm going to do this like a father would to a son or a pastor to a disciple uh, or a Christian to a disciple, any way that you want to put that. So first question is, how does baptism remind you and assure you that Christ's one sacrifice on the cross is for you personally? In this way. Christ instituted this outward washing and with it gave the promise that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly his blood and his spirit wash away my soul's impurity. In other words, all my sins. Right? Question 70. Our second one today in case you're listening. Question 70 in the catechism though. What does it mean to be washed with the blood and spirit of Christ? Ah, it means to have forgiveness of sins from God through grace for the sake of Christ's blood which is shed for us. In his sacrifice on ah, in his sacrifice on the cross, and also to be renewed by the Holy Spirit and sanctified as members of Christ, so that we may more and more die unto sin and live in a, cons- a consecrated and blameless way. Very good. All right. Next question, final question for today, question seventy one. Where does Christ promise that we are washed with his blood and spirit as surely as we are washed with the water of baptism? In the institution of baptism where he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The one who believes and is baptized will be saved, but the one who does not believe will be condemned. This promise is repeated when Scripture calls baptism the water of rebirth and the washing away of sins. All right, so... Very cool. Yes, I like this. Uh, We will... Today, talk about more the meaning of baptism. Next week, on the next episode, we will talk about who should be baptized. Uh, and we'll cool. cover, should infants be baptized or should adults only? What, what do we do, right? And so, uh, what does the catechism say? What do we believe? How do we do it? So, yes, yes. meaning of baptism today, really, the catechism gives us some simple language that it repeats over and over Answer in, in all three answers. There's language that uses... His, meaning Jesus, his blood and his spirit. So Mm. the blood of Christ and the Holy Spirit, right? And so what does it mean to be washed with the blood and spirit of Christ is the second question, right? So when we talk about the meaning, the tie to the blood of Christ is obviously the forgiveness of sins. As that's what the second question, that's what the second answer tells us, right? And then the, it also goes on to elaborate and says, and also to be renewed by the Holy Spirit and sanctified as members of Christ. So there's a couple things there. One, when people are baptized, modern day application of baptism is very individual, right? So people say, I, this, when I, when I get baptized, I want this, or, you know, I'm saying this, or I'm doing this. Historically, baptism is being baptized into a local body, right? So being baptized into a local church. And so the catechism speaks to it this way, renewed by the Holy Spirit and sanctified as members of Christ. So as members of a body, members of a local church. So you're baptized into the church. Yes, church universal. Yes, church eternal. But you're baptized into a local church, right? Mm. That's who does the baptisms. And so um, that's typical. There are some atypical examples. Philip 
is baptized by someone who's a part of the global church, but he's baptized not into a local church because he's returning back to Ethiopia. But that's the exception, not the rule, right? Uh, Question 71 talks about where does Christ promise us that we are washed with his blood and spirit? And then you correctly answered, and what you're really doing in that answer, if people are listening and don't know this, is you're quoting the Great Commission in Matthew 28, right? And the final words of Christ in in Mark 16, right? So go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. So there's the command. Here's part of discipleship is to be baptized, right? Mark quotes Jesus as saying, the one who believes and is baptized will be saved. The one who does not believe will be condemned. Mm. So there's a question there clearly. Do you have to be baptized to be a Christian, right? So I think that's the wrong question, but it's a question a lot of people ask. So we'll get there, right? Yeah. But the blood and the spirit, wash with his blood and wash with his spirit. Now, the catechism has a bias to it, and you've got to understand a 450-year-old bias. When the Reformation is taking place across Europe and, and, and other places, it's really trying to fix what was wrong in the Roman Catholic Church. And there was a lot wrong in the Roman Catholic Church, different issues than exist today. The Roman Catholic Church in many ways has course-corrected some of those things and has different things we disagree with today. But the Reformation is very uh, anti-Catholic, if you anti-Roman Catholic, if you yeah. will, right? So they're distinguishing them from their predecessor in the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. They're saying, hey, here's where we're different. Yeah. So there was some commonality between the Roman Catholic Church and the Reformed Church. One of them is the way or the usage of water in baptism. So if you've ever seen a Roman Catholic baptism, if you're listening, or if you've been baptized as a Roman Catholic, they pour water over your head, whether it be infant or adult, they pour, right? They pour water. It's a use of water where you may see other folks in a Baptist church where they are immersed fully in water. And there's a third way called sprinkling. It's just less water, right? So (laughs) all of it is how much water are we using? But there's some theological implications. The New Testament gives us two images for baptism. One is cleansing of sin. That's where the catechism is, right? Being washed by his blood and his spirit. Yes. Okay. Well, the other image in the New Testament is of death and resurrection. I think of Romans 6, right? Yeah. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by with the baptism of his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So death and resurrection, yeah. right? The next verse says, if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him, meaning Jesus, in a resurrection like his. Mm. So death and resurrection is one image. That works really well for the Baptist who does full immersion in water, right? Cleansing of sin compared to the washing of your hands is a great image for those who do pouring. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Both are true. So at this point, you have to ask yourself, okay, does what do we do when we baptize people? So here at Generations Church, as you know, uh, we immerse people fully in water, right? So we have chosen that image because it fits our context. So it's one image we get to choose from, right? And uh, we were saying before we went online, we were saying, I, I told you this, that if I was in an area, like there's some populations in New York that are highly Jewish. Yeah. I don't know if it's Brooklyn, Bronx, those areas, but there are some areas that are highly, highly Jewish, saturated yeah. with Jewish people, big Jewish communities. If I were going to plant a church there, I would switch to pouring. I would use this image of cleansing 
because it would make more sense to the Jewish audience. Absolutely. Right? Jews didn't get baptized. They got circumcised. Then John the Baptist comes along and is telling them to repent of sin and baptizing them, probably by immersion, by the context that we can read, right? Yeah. That's where Jesus is baptized. But he's cleansing them. They were, he had to break the mold that they were the clean people and tell them, no, you're the sinful, dirty people, mm. right? Yes. In our culture today, in Southern California, 21st century, I want to tell people, hey, listen, you're not a spiritual people. You're not a good people. You're a dead people. Mm, yeah. And that we want to die, our sin die, you know, and, and be united with Jesus in a resurrection, in a new life, a new life that calls us to transformation. Yeah, yeah. One like where Peter would talk in, the, uh, <clears throat> where he says, uh, oh my gosh, when he preaches the message, Jesus is alive, whom you crucified, he focused yes. on the resurrection portion right. because it gave life to a bunch of dead people, which... In a modern context, is definitely what uh, is needed. You know, life. Yeah. Man. And if you're going to be baptized into a family, you need that new life. Yeah. You've got a new Agreed. family, and so, you know, one thing about baptism, brother, um, I wanted to ask you a question about it, <clears throat> and why it's important to understand the difference between baptism and the areas where Jesus says, you know, only your feet need to be washed, right? Sure. And people tend to, um, you said this phrase early to uh, from the '90s. Backslide, right? Yeah. Oh right. man, I was, I was on fire for the Lord, and you know, I was on a mission trip to Australia. Just did all this work, and then I just backslid. Yeah. And then now I'm coming back to the Lord, and I, I just want to be baptized again. And I just want is that they use it as a marker of their obedience, which, which it is a mark of obedience, but it's the initial mark of obedience. Sure. They use it as like a timestamp. Okay, this day again, I came back to the Lord. Well, what do you think about that, man? How would you want to discuss that a little? So uh, I would call that. Uh, I would frame that under the issue of rebaptism. Okay. Okay. So uh, there's two things. There's the question you're asking culturally, which, by the way, you tipped your hand at your age by saying that's a thing of the '90s, or I'd say that was a thing of the '70s, the oh Jesus gosh. People movement. Uh, but uh, yes, I'm I'm like 10, 12 years older than Scott, so that I I do I did see that right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Neither one of us loved the word backslidden, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, but there is a culture that says, "Hey, I was once close to Christ." And now I became far from Christ. Do I need to be baptized again? So the issue of rebaptism is real and it and it's common today. Jesus, when he sits with his disciples, <clears throat> bear in mind, yeah. Jesus was baptized by John. His disciples were all baptized. They were Jews who had also undergone baptism, so they'd already been baptized. They'd identify themselves as Christ in a variety of ways, right? And and were followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus. So as he's Getting ready the week of he's going to the, the week he's going to die as he's preparing his disciples for his absence and his death before his resurrection and and he's preparing them and he's teaching them he sits down at a table and as he institutes communion which we'll talk about in a couple of weeks he washes their feet now it's interesting foot washing during the Reformation was a third thing talked about yeah. as does this rise to the level of sacrament and eventually it was said no. Many churches held it very high in esteem. I mm-hmm. think we should do better at it than we typically do, yeah. and the Western American church does very little with it, but I think we should do more with it. So that dialogue between Peter and Jesus is very important. So Jesus, so you got to understand foot washing too. The lowest person, the lowest servant, the youngest, lowest servant in the house would normally wash the feet of people as they arrived at the guests. And what that was is think sandals and long, dusty dirt roads, right? And just yeah. washing their feet. It, it was a, a common thing. Now you're going to walk around my house. Let's take all that stuff and leave it outside, right? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> But it was a place for a lower position person to do for the higher position mm-hmm. person. 
So you got to understand Jesus is the highest position in the room for these Jewish disciples of a Jewish rabbi, basically, yeah. right? And and so um, they now believe he is the Messiah, but they're going to wrestle with that. They're going to have questions, especially when he dies. Peter's not going to know what to do with it, right? So, But they do see him as above them. So culturally, we have to put ourselves there and then understand Jesus takes off his outer garment, wraps himself in a towel, gets some water, and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. They don't understand it. Like, whoa, wait, this is culturally wrong. Yeah. And he says, listen, unless you let me cleanse you, you have no part of me, right? So Peter then, being Peter, which I love, right? Love he yes. is all or nothing. He says, listen, then <laughs> not all, you know, not just my feet, but all of me. Yeah. And Jesus says something very, he says, listen, uh, Peter says, it's John 13, if you guys want to look it up. Verse 9, Peter says, Lord, not my feet only, but my, also my hands and my head. But in verse 10, Jesus says this, he who bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. So mm-hmm. the not all of you is talking about Judas. But hey, listen, you're already clean. You're mine. Yeah. Well, sometimes you wander off and your feet get dirty. And foot washing really became the conversation around how do we treat people that have wandered away? Right, that have that will deal with what you know has been termed by others backsliding. Right, so the issue of rebaptism is this: once you've been baptized, do you need to be baptized again? So let's look at the meanings of baptism. One, it's a forgiveness of sin. It's a proclamation of Christ's blood shed for you that your sins are forgiven. Now, does that change if you sin anymore? Not at all. No. In fact, we all sin more, right? So that declaration of Christ forgiving your sin by his blood, right? Yeah. Washing you clean, that remains. Yeah. Okay. The other promise of baptism is like Acts 2.38 is the good one, the the easy one. Peter says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the Holy Spirit. So the catechism talks about blood and spirit, forgiveness by blood, newness of life by spirit. All right. So... Bad theology says you lose the Holy Spirit. Good theology says you don't lose the Holy Spirit, right? So sin, we all sin. It's the volume of sin. People that walk away from Christ, maybe even denounce Christ. We're saying, what we're asking is, does the Holy Spirit ever go away? Now they've returned. Now here's the assumption. They've returned to follow Jesus again. So did the Holy Spirit ever leave them? Hmm. Or did they just ignore the Holy Spirit? So the promise is the Holy Spirit remains, right? Yeah. They're baptized into a covenant community of faith, a church, right? Now, people walk away from churches and come back to churches or whatever. The church hasn't left them, no. right? So it's, you know, I always use, and I know it's a podcast people can't see, but, you know, my wedding ring is the symbol of my wedding. I can take it off. I could do something wrong. I could sin against my marriage. I could do all these things. I'm still married, right? I come back repentant, and Lisa is gracious, yeah. and I'm still married. And I put my, you know, my wedding ring is just a symbol. Right, I haven't lost my my wedding, and so I haven't. Excuse me, I haven't lost my yeah, marriage. Yeah, I right, <laughs> and so no, so you don't. You're not rebaptized. You're baptized once. once. Yeah, but that gets confusing because communion you can do weekly or quarterly or however yeah. churches do it, but baptism is that symbol of forgiveness and that promise of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So, so we as a church, mm-hmm. we do immersion, yeah. right? Yeah. So we've chosen that to identify our community of believers with the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so that is important for us because we really want to press into the newness of life, right? That Jesus didn't just die to forgive us of sins like so many people who have gone forward at a crusade or said a prayer or believed in a track, believed because of a track, whatever. But then their life never changed, right? They, they, they remain the same or they plateau and they don't change. Yeah. 
we want to remind people of newness of life, that Jesus has overcome this life, and that we're to live in that newness of life. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. If you were, so when you were baptized, yeah. what did they tell you about being baptized? I know I didn't ask you this question before, so what, what were you told? You know what, brother? When I was baptized, it was in a uh, very charismatic church. It was a class before it. I don't remember a lot of the details. It was just ran under there. Um, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, yeah. dunked, and then just, all right, yeah, good job, brother. Right. And you moved out of the, the... Did they ever ask you if you were baptized before? No. Yeah, so in a lot of traditions, it's not a big deal, right? Yeah. So you can take your wedding ring on and off and on yeah. and off, right? For me, that undermines the value of baptism, ah, right? Glad you touched on this. This promise, this covenant, this symbol. Now, we're going to get into this next week. Baptism is the fulfillment of an old covenant symbol, yeah. one that you could only do once. Yep. We'll leave it there, but we'll, we'll get there next week, we'll right? Get there next week. In yeah. fact, if you had that done once, you don't want it again. So, uh, for those of you who know that we're talking about, it is funny. Anyhow, so we'll talk about that next week. But you do this once, yes. right? And so I've been baptized more than once. I came from a tradition outside of this that, that didn't talk about that, and so I didn't know any better, yeah. right? What we want to tell people is, hey, you may have walked away from Jesus, but Jesus hasn't walked away from you. Absolutely not. You may have sinned and gotten your feet dirty. We're, we're willing to wash them. Absolutely. You may have closed your ears to the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit hasn't co- quit talking to you, and the uh-huh. proof is, here you are, you're back. Exactly, exactly. So I want to emphasize two things before we wrap it up. This, one, as soon as you would say the words, I am a follower of Jesus, I believe in Jesus Christ, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, whatever those words might mean, as soon as you do that, you should be baptized, mm. all right? And so uh, that should not be something you, of your own kind of, you know, you choose your timeline and all that, very individualistic today. And you, the other part of that would be you're baptized into a local church, right. right? You're submitting to leadership in a local church. You're submitting to the Lordship of Christ over that church. Uh, and you do it once. You, you know that because of the promise of the Holy Spirit that that is tied with baptism, that you know that God does something that is a means of grace. God, God strengthens you in baptism, so why wait? Exactly, exactly. Man, that was some good stuff, Pastor Jeff. And I'm glad you touched on the importance of our first baptism when we first come to faith. Saints, if you're listening to this, that was a great moment in your life when you came to faith and were baptized. And if you're hearing this, you struggling, you, you feel like you need uh, an action item to feel like you're back with God. Well, hey, guess what? He does have that uh, available. It's called Confession. Call your pastor. Call us. Reach out. Confess your sins. Uh, let us listen. Let us wash your feet. Let us be there to encourage you because Jesus is always right there waiting to hear from you. He loves you. He died for you. And with that, I just want to say thank you for listening to the Generations Church podcast. Man, every Tuesday we release a new guilt, grace, and gratitude episode. Uh, occasionally we have some special episodes, but for now, I just want to ask you if you can give this thing a like. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe and mm. share it. Let people know the good work that we're doing here at Generations Church. And with that, just want to say thank you. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church. G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch.com.